you're your own chief development officer. If I am constantly learning, it's amazing how many meetings I've been in where I've shared a little snippet of what I've learned, what I'm learning and how it was relevant to the conversation and how you look like an absolute rock star in those meetings, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I was listening to this podcast the other day and this guy Hampton, he was amazing. And he talked about this thing. And, and I think that's what we've got going on right now. And they're going to be like, well, that's great. And who's this podcast? And let me get that. And you just start to develop that reputation of going, Hey, you're on the cutting edge of, of learning things. So you've got some fresh ideas because you're out there. I mean, really what it boils down to is you're humble enough to go, I'm going to learn from others, right? I don't have, I wasn't just born awesome. When I was sending a text to my guest today before the show, I made the mistake of essentially calling him an old person. Here's what I mean. If you listen to episode zero, <laughs> if you listen to episode zero here, it gives you uh, an intro of what this whole podcast is about. And in my more recent episodes, I have had some younger folks, typically in their 20s, just sharing um, a little bit about their life. But today, my guest is not in his 20s. He's not old, though. I would say more seasoned. But the purpose of me having him here is to provide some wisdom that most 20-year-olds are probably not going to have. Um, so I will leave it at that. You are not yes. old. You are seasoned and wise. Adam Tarnow, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I can't hear you. Can you Can you speak up? Can you speak up? I can't hear you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I need to act like my dad trying to do FaceTime right now. Like, I can't see your video. What's going on with all that? No, I appreciate that. That was a good save. Uh, I'm in my, I'm in my forties, probably near the late forties, but, uh, but I do have gray, a little bit of gray hair. So hopefully I can provide some wisdom, but that hey, was funny. That was funny. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit of gray hair. You are, you are seasoned. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> and, and, and you definitely are good at the technology. You guys look up Adam on right now media and YouTube. I'll put links down below, but he's got some, some good looking videos and content out there. So, I mean, he's, he's not struggling on the technology front. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> so I want to jump right into it especially hearing some of your story. When I was reading your bio before this, it said that you're a recovering CPA. I, yes. think I, <laughs> I think I understand what that means, but tell me a little bit about what happened when you graduated college and I guess the mindset that you had. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, born, uh, I was, I'm a third generation accountant. My grandfather was an accountant. My dad was an accountant. My birthday is April 16th, which is the day after tax day. Uh, so it's like, it was in the stars for me to be an accountant. And so I took an accounting class my senior year of high school and I, you know, I'm ashamed to admit this. I loved it. And so <laughs> I went down to Clemson university there in South Carolina and said, I'm going to study accounting. That was a lot of fun. That that's like businessy and, but numbers and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, so I did that. I never even thought about changing my major for all four years. I just did that. Took did internships. I took a semester off of college after my sophomore year. It went to go work at the Walt Disney World uh, as part of their college program, and I did accounting even down there. So it was like that was my life while I was in college. So, yeah, I graduated from Clemson and got a job with one of those uh, big firms down in Atlanta. A lot of my friends from Clemson were either they were either going to Charlotte or Atlanta. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go to those two cities. And Atlanta sounds great. So I sent out a bunch of resumes to all the firms that were down there, and I got one firm that called me back and said, Hey, you want to come down for an interview? So I went down for an interview and got hired and college was successful. So, uh, so I got to start my college career as, uh, as a CPA and well, I didn't start as a CPA. I had to go study and, and take that exam, but I was doing audits and, uh, and yeah, it, before we hit record, like what you and I were talking about is my mentality 
uh, going in and starting my career was basically this. And I don't think I could have articulated it at the time. I mean, obviously now having a little bit of separation uh, from that, uh, I can say this a little clearer, but my basic goal when I started at that firm was just to be a good guy, right? Just, just mm. be a person of character. That That's what I thought my goal was. I thought that was going to be the way to garner influence. I thought that was going to be the way to stand out. I thought that's what was going to get me my promotions was that the leaders at this accounting firm were going to see this potential that I had. And very specifically, they were going to see my character and the good character. And they were going to want to give me more opportunity because I presented myself as a good guy. Uh, you and I have same faith backgrounds. And so uh, I became a follower of Jesus when I was in college. And so there was a lot of this new faith that was starting to inform that. Uh, obviously, being a person of character is something that's, that Jesus talks a lot about. And so that was a, a good thing. It was a right thing. It was not a bad thing. I would never tell somebody not to be or strive to be a person of good character. But I think it was just a little misguided as I was trying to start my career and specifically on what what was the reason I was hired? What were those partners looking for out of me and what truly was going to build trust with them? Uh, and so that was that was a, a big journey there in the beginning of just kind of making a few mistakes and my career really not moving as fast as I hoped it would in those first couple of years because I was not necessarily focused on becoming a great accountant. I was more focused on, am I being a good guy? And so that was a, that was a big learning. Uh, yeah, just a big learning during those first few years of my career. Wow. I, I think that's, that's really common, especially for people earlier in their career in their twenties and don't hear Adam and I saying it's bad to have good character. No. It's more <laughs> of that. They expect you to have good character and they're looking for competence, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like the interview was them basically testing my character a little bit. Right. And so uh, the way I would say it is now is that good character was assumed, but my competence, that's really what they were looking for is, am I going to be a good accountant? Yeah. I, I was able to get these grades, but that was college. That was the classroom. And yeah, it looks like you did okay with an internship and all that kind of stuff. But I really, I'm not doubting your character, Adam. I'm doubting whether or not you're going to be an effective auditor. And so uh, focusing on the technical side, that was, and I think really uh, is, the fastest way to build trust in an organization is to prove your competence. Uh, that's where more opportunities came from. When I started to really focus more on learning the technical side of my job, that's when more opportunities came my way. That's when promotions came my way. So now when you get a competent person who has that mix of good character as well, now that's phenomenal. Uh, that's fantastic. That's when really the sky's the limit. You can have a really rewarding career. You become a person uh, that that is worth following. Uh, and, and so it was just a little lopsided, right? I just didn't understand. I had to learn the hard way. And just grateful that I had some mentors and some bosses that were uh, not sugarcoating things with me early in my career, just going, you need to get better at accounting, right? That's kind of what you're paid to do. <laughs> and so it was right for them to uh, to challenge me on that. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. And I'm glad you learned that early on. It makes me yeah. think about the core values that we have at WildSpark and they're in a specific order um, mm. that I would say goes along with what you're talking about. Um, it goes excellence and then relationships. That's not all of them, but yeah. within our core values, excellence, then relationships. Because I think that so often as people 
especially people maybe in sales or someone that's looking to have good character. When you're in an interview, people say, what do you like? What do you want to do? Or when you're in college and people say, what do you want to do? Someone like me would say, ah, that, I just want to do something with people. I just like people. Of course you yeah. like people. You're a person. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, of course you want to build relationships. And of course you want to take people to play golf every day. Um, and you know, close big deals on the golf course as a sales guy, but you've got to be excellent in order to earn the right to be able to do that. And what quarter yep. CEO says is that excellence in your work buys you time and time then allows you to build relationships. And so I think good. that I've fallen into this at some point, other people have where it's just, I want to be, I want to be a good guy. I want to build relationships yeah. with people. Please do that. Always do that, but not at the expense of, of doing really, really good work. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like it. You know, and, and I, one of the leaders that I worked with a few, this is probably after I've been out of school, 10, 15 years, he said it the best, right? And I'll just rip him off. It just talked about that competence is the fastest way to build trust, but a breach of character is the fastest way to lose it. And so mm. if you're, if you're starting in your career, really starting in any organization, it, this is really regardless of your age, the, the better you are at doing the work that you were hired to do with excellence, that's going to build trust in the organization. Now, if you're shady, if you're a liar, if you're a backstabber, if you share half truth, you know, it, pick, pick your character flaw. When you start to exhibit those, then all that trust is going to go away. So I, I like, I like that, that way to think about that. It builds very, very fast through your competence, but you can lose it just as fast through a breach of character. And mm -hmm. so I think that's the right balance yeah. with both of those. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So back to your story, you said you had some managers that were um, loving enough to to call you out a little bit, call you to more. Is that is that what led you to realize that competence was very important? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, and and some of that was the industry that I was in within the accounting industry. Every year you were working on anywhere from six to ten audits, and at the end of every audit, it was almost like the it was just the end of a project. And you always got a lot of smaller reviews. And so that system lent itself very well at the end of my first couple of audits of them just going, hey, you need to get better at this. You had a lot of errors in that. It didn't seem like you really grasped this concept. If you want, and then now after a year, 18 months, when it's getting to the point where I'm now technically up for promotion, it's, hey, here's why I wouldn't recommend you for promotion because you don't understand X or Y or Z. And it was never like, we doubt your character. It was never, we doubt your leadership capabilities. I mean, it was always, Hey, you're a super nice guy. You're great. You know, you're fun to be at dinner with. And, uh, we trust you from that perspective. You're great with the clients. Uh, it's it, but we hired you to be an auditor and you need to be able to put these financial statements together and you need to be able to understand these accounting pronouncements and you need to stay up to date with all this stuff. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was like a lot of these small conversations after a while, that was the theme which was I need to be a better accountant if I want to get uh, if I want to get promoted and then now start to have more influence around here. The path to influence was going to be through that competence, not not just through the character. Mm. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that experience happened. So it sounded like you started moving in the right direction and figuring some things out. I mean, I know where you are now. I know you're you're definitely not an accountant. Your bio says recovering no, CPA. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe walk us through some of your story. Uh, there and and kind of how you got to where you are now. I know we'll spend a lot of time talking about your most recent book, but yeah, want, want yeah. To talk so about after about, uh, I think I probably did four or five years in Atlanta as an accountant, and then right when I was about your age, Hampton, right around twenty five, twenty six years old, went through my quarter life crisis where it was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I do want to do something else, and 
and so I took a big jump in the early 2000s and decided I was going to leave Atlanta, move to Dallas and pursue a life of full-time ministry. And so uh, I came out here to go to, to go to seminary, to go to graduate school, uh, was a seminary student for a couple of years, met my wife. We got married. Life took a turn there. Uh, the day we said I do, we were in a financial crisis. We had $120,000 in student loan debt. And mm. I'm, a, I'm, you know, studying to be a pastor. And she was working at a nonprofit. And we were paying more in debt payments every month than we were even in rent. And so wow. uh, after we had been married a few months, we decided, all right, let's make a change. Let's try to pay that debt off now. And so I actually dropped out of seminary, went back into accounting for another five or six years. We were able to pay off all that debt. Um, then I was like, people were like, well, are you going to go back to seminary? And I'm like, I'm not paying for any more education. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. done. So I'm not going back to seminary. So, uh, so I dropped out of seminary, never went back, but then, uh, the church that we were a part of here in Dallas, um, I got hired to go work over there and thought it, I was just going to do that for a few years, just to kind of try to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up and ended up spending a decade there, uh, which was, wow. uh, which was amazing. And so, Got to work for a big dynamic nonprofit, you know, with that church here in town. It was, you know, when I was hired, I was employee 80 and it went up by the time I left. I think we were over 300 employees. So this was, you know, this big Texas sized mega church. And uh, so the theme, like, like with the 10 years in accounting and then the 10 years in more of like the pastoral ministry nonprofit side, the theme or the thread, as I look back on it now, was really leadership development. I mean, that. In the accounting industry, that's what I love doing more than auditing is I loved helping develop other accountants and other leaders. And, and I was getting more opportunities to do that in that part of my career. That's what I loved about pastoral ministry was developing leaders. And so and I, and I was kind of doing it on the side when I was on staff with doing some consulting and leadership development and some teaching and speaking and, and things like that, primarily within the accounting industry, because that was where I had the most experience. And uh, somewhere around 2018, 19, this dream kind of started to, was birthed in me to, to go out on my own and really do leadership development full time. I couldn't find a job with an organization that was only focused on that. And so it was one of those decisions that I had to make to go, okay, I think I have to go create this job. I don't think this job's going to be given to me. And so, um, yeah, 2020 took the big leap. Uh, right in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> to go start a leadership development consulting firm. And so we've been doing that for, uh, golly, what we're almost close to two and a half years now. So it's been, been a really fun journey. Wow. That, that's such a great story. And I love how even in pretty different industries, if you will, being at a church and a nonprofit or accounting, you clearly found what you're passionate about, which is developing other leaders. And so with your, is, um, yeah. with your firm now, is are, are you, are you doing a lot of accounting or are you all over the place? No, the industries are really all over the place. So I certainly have some in that financial services or accounting industry. Uh, there's also biotech. There's also quick service restaurants. There's also uh, folks that make like large manufacturing. So it really is everywhere. Uh, as I'm sure you know, with what you do with WildSpark, I mean, leaders are needed mm -hmm. in any and every organization, every single one. And so... The industry really doesn't matter. If you've got more than one employee, <laughs> then you probably have some people issues and some and need some leaders. And these principles can be helpful. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, well, so in 2020, in the middle of COVID, you decided all of this. I I love that. I'm sure there's lots of stories you could tell 
lots of wrestling with what direction do I go? What do I do? But I love that you started your own thing. And I mean, I, I got connected to you through, uh, Tim Spiker, who was another Spiker, guest yeah. on this. I, I also saw your book all over the place. I've read your book. I've listened to it on audible. So I've, your voice currently is like taking me back to, <laughs> as I'm on a driving road around, trip, just listening yeah. to you talk, <laughs> but I want to hear about the edge. I mean, what, what inspired you to, to, to write that? And then let, let's get into it a little bit. Yeah. So the edge, uh, how to stand out by showing you're all in. I wrote it with a buddy of mine that lives there in Birmingham near you, uh, David Morrison. He is the chief operating officer for a company called Tacala companies. They own, a, uh, like over 300 Taco Bells are about ready to open up a bunch of seven brew coffee concepts there, uh, in the South. And so he has been a dear friend of our families, um, or of my family for, I mean, we work together over at Watermark. We've known each other probably 14, 15 years. And so, um, what did we see? Like what really started this was all the conversations about employee engagement, uh, employee engagement stats being so low now, you know, all the new stuff on quiet quitting. I, you know, this is not new. That's been around for a long time, but David and I were starting to notice that if you were going to go Google employee engagement, a lot of the literature that was out there and a lot of the teaching and content was really focused on the manager going, hey, boss, hey, manager, hey, business owner, you need to do better, which is right and appropriate. And they certainly have some blood on their hands, so to speak, for the low engagement numbers. But David and I were kind of going, well, there's another way to look at this. And the other way you could look at this is if only 30 some odd percent of the workforce is engaged, there's a great opportunity for a young leader right now who wants to stand out, get ahead and really have a successful and rewarding career um, because the bar's about as low as it's ever been. <laughs> and so, uh, so what are some ways that a younger leader or somebody in the first maybe decade of their career, what are some easy things they can do to stand out where they don't have to sell out? They don't have to suck up. They don't have to stab people in the back. Like you can, you can have a life, but also have a rewarding and meaningful career. And so we just started brainstorming on that on what are some things that we wish we would have known in our twenties? What are some things we did do in our twenties and thirties that uh, turned out to really help us as we were early in that journey? Um, and so that's where we came up with that acronym. The edge stands for energy, diligence, growth, and endurance. And so we just found that those four characteristics, if you can be a person who brings a positive attitude as many days as you possibly can, I don't want to say every day cause that bar is really high. I don't do that every day, but if you can be somebody who's known as, uh, trying to bring as much positive energy as you can to every situation that you're in, if you can be diligent, which is what we were just talking about, like really pursuing excellence and really caring about the job that you're doing in the work product. If you can have that growth mindset, which you've got that book right over your right shoulder there, right? Carol Dweck's that growth mindset. Oh yeah. If you can have that mindset of, I want to continue to grow. I want to grow personally and any organization I'm a part of, I want to see them grow too. And then if you can also become a person of that has developed endurance, somebody who is able to handle all the ups and downs that a career brings, if you can start to do those things, uh, watch out, right? Cause you're going to, you're going to be different than most of your peers. And those bosses are going to start inviting you into more rooms and you're going to have more and more opportunity. And so, uh, so that, that's some of the, uh, the story behind the book and why we wrote it. And so it's been fun, you know, it came out in September and it's been so fun, um, just to, to hear from people. And, and it's really surprising Hampton, the people that are, I mean, uh, that, that we're hearing back from. So there's the 20 somethings that are just going, Hey, this is really helpful. This is a little cheat sheet for me, right. With my career, just a few simple things that I need to do. And that's awesome. 
but we're really surprised at the uh, older people. And I put that in quotes, right? Because we were talking about that earlier, that those who are, <laughs> who have been in their career 20, 30, 40 years going, I need to keep reading this. I, that This has been really helpful for me. And so I think what David and I are starting to realize is, yes, this is a way to develop an edge early in your career. Um, but we're also coming to the realization that this is the way to keep your edge. And so I need mm. these principles as somebody who's, you know, getting close to 50. I need these principles. This is what my clients want from me. They want me to be energetic. They want me to be diligent. They want me to be growth minded for myself and them. And they want me to have endurance, right? This is what my family wants from me. My boys want me to be this when I come home. And so, uh, so it's not just as young leaders, this is what it's going to take. And I, and I think that's, that's been surprising. And, and encouraging to see the message resonate with people of all different ages. I love this. I'm looking at this wheel right now. I'll put a link to all of this at the end of this. Um, but it just everything that you said is why I'm making this shift in this podcast, because yeah. there is so much leadership development out there for the middle manager, for the person that's, you know, been in their career for 10 years, a little bit more. So um, there's, plenty of executive coaching. Uh, I spend all of my time really trying to to sell WildSpark, which is to that middle management layer. That That's kind of my day job. But this recent passion of mine, it's because it's my age. It's for those of you that are in your 20s, you will, you'll waste them if you're not careful. Yep. You may just yep. be focused on being a good guy, being a good yep. girl and having good character. But like you said, Unfortunately, well, unfortunately for our world, but fortunately for you, if you're listening to this, there's just not a lot of competition. <laughs> like if yeah. you look at this wheel, if you look at the edge and you embody those characteristics, you're probably going to go a really long way in your career. And and yeah. this is this is a hack. And I also love what you said about to the manager. Um, this can actually be a great tool to some of the people that you're leading instead of, or I, I want you to talk about it. You can a lot better than yeah. me. How can they use this as a tool to show some of their young folks on their team? Yeah, it's just clarity, right? So you and I were, were talking again before we hit record about if a, if a football coach uh, during the, you know, whatever, let's just say the NFL playoffs are coming up. And so if, if uh, a football coach just stands on the sideline and yells at, at the team, do better, right? Or score, I said score more points than the other team, or don't make that mistake. If they're just throwing out these vague general comments, it is not helpful to the team. And in my experience of working with some leaders that are leading their teams, they're experiencing frustration with their teams. Uh, there's things that they see in ways that they want to coach up their team. They just don't know what words to use to describe what they're seeing. And so that, I think, is also one of the reasons we wrote The Edge or is, or is another uh, benefit of that message is it can give a team leader some language that they can use. So they're not just, you know, on the sidelines, just yelling, I said, score more points. Right. And so it just, it, it provides a lot more clarity, uh, for those team leaders to be able to use when they're coaching their teams. And so, uh, so it's been fun to hear about the resource being used that way as well. Yeah. I'm glad it's been helpful for them. I just thought of something. I want to hear your take on this. Well, you mentioned earlier that this is helpful for you. It helps you keep that, keep that edge, keep that spirit of youth, if you will, um, like, but what I'm trying to figure out is are, there's lots of people that are in manager roles right now that have never had an edge and currently don't have an edge and they get yep. put in that spot because they've been at the company for 10 years, or yep. maybe they actually did have a lot of competence 
Um, but still, when you look at energy dil- diligence, growth mindset, endurance, they don't really have that. So I just think that's something interesting to think about because even if you're in your 20s, if you're young in your career and you develop this, you might actually find yourself in an organization learning these things where your boss doesn't even have that. Uh, have you that's seen exactly that? exactly right. Oh my gosh. I mean that, uh, yes, yes. And it's, and that is like, the, so the people that are listening to this podcast, Hampton, the, the upside is they are doing exactly what you want them to do, which is they're taking some ownership for their own development, right? They're waking up and leading themselves. I love that, right? Love that message. And so the downside is not everybody else around them is doing the same thing. And so they're going to start to realize they're going to sit in a meeting and their boss is going to start to coach them. And, and if they've studied up and started to think about this, they're going to be like, this is the worst communication style I've ever encountered. <laughs> they are using such vague language. They're going to have to coach their coach, right? On, and ask more questions and dig for more specificity. And so, yeah, it can be very discouraging sometimes if you are somebody who is motivated to learn about this aspect of leadership and people development, um, you're going to start to look around and go, "Uh oh, not everybody knows this. And you're going to have a leader who hasn't done any of that. And that's going to be a really growing and trying time in your career. And it's something that we've all been through. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some strategies and some ways that you can get around that and help to, to endure that. But I think that's going to be very, very common and probably, I mean, you've probably experienced some of that, not naming any names, uh, but I'm sure you've experienced that just in your few years out of school, right? Sure. And I mean, now granted, I, I work at Wildspark. I absolutely love my job and our whole focus is kind of teaching on things like this. So yeah. not that everybody here is perfect, but I mean, it is. I mean, that, that's why I have this podcast because I've learned right. about the importance of this because they've taught me this from early on. But I had, yeah. I mean, I get what you're talking about. And I think what's, man, what, um, what's really interesting is I heard the other day, I think it was Tim Elmore that said this, that in, it, by 2025, 70% of the workforce is going to be millennials and Gen Z. Um, yeah. and I think that a lot of, I mean, that, that's a lot of who I'm trying to talk to with this podcast. And I just think that there's, we're going to start seeing a shift. Basically what I'm saying is if you're, what Adam was just sharing, if your manager starts coaching you and they don't have the edge, but you've learned this, endurance is a part of the edge. And I imagine that yep. that revolves around sticking around, I'm not saying quit your job, but if you have the edge, I would imagine that you're going to have options with your career. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the yeah, whole really well trendy said. line is, yeah, like you're, you're going to have options. And frankly, your organization is probably going to lose you if they don't figure out how to get their managers to lead you well in the first place. So I think that's, that's kind right. of the message that Adam and I spend a lot of our time talking to as well with organizations that just don't really have the good leaders in place. That's exactly you know, right. I, yeah. Yeah. No, and that's it. And that's that that can be where I said you can go through those seasons and it's really a growing time for you. Every leader you and I encounter, even even to this point in my career, uh, they're all an example. And and it's going to be a good one of going, oh, I like that style or there's some things I can learn that I want to incorporate into my leadership style. Or they're going to be great examples of what you don't want to do. Right. And so all of those. But but none of those are wasted opportunities. None of them are wasted. And so. Uh, just make the most of the opportunity and just know that if you're out there, not everybody reads these books, not everybody listens to these podcasts. Uh, this is, but this is, this is something that your listeners are doing right now. That's why they have an edge. That's how they're going to keep their edge. And, uh, and they'll, they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, you're right. 
Well, can we dive into it a little bit? I know you've mentioned Let's do it. Yeah. What, what they all stand for, but even if you want to go sort of one by one through these, I just think it would be super helpful for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think right now, like, so for energy, um, I don't know if you <laughs> read the same headlines I do, uh, but there's not a lot of great news out there right now. Right. And yeah. being pessimistic, um, being skeptical, being um, uh, sarcastic, um, a lot of those things, like it is so easy to be a person who just stands in the corner with their arms crossed and just critiques everything and everyone. Um, and that's very common to do that. Like we are not standing out if we choose to just be that type of person. Uh, I, w one of the things that I was so convicted by personally over the pandemic was my natural bent towards pessimism. And mm. I, I really got mad at it personally. Like this is something I want to see change. And I, you know, lots of reasons why I would say I'm naturally pessimistic. I want to blame the accounting industry for, you know, teaching me to be professionally skeptical, but some of it's just me. It's just my <laughs> wiring. Right. And, but I saw some leaders during the pandemic, especially those that like, and when I say pandemic, like 2020, right. So I saw during the height of all the uncertainty, all the lockdowns that two leaders that just did an amazing job of navigating that for their team. Uh, for their organization, for their family. One of them was even in my neighborhood, what that uh, gentleman did in my neighborhood and the way he helped. And, and the common uh, theme that those two leaders had is they were incredibly optimistic in the midst of some very, very difficult circumstances. And it really just got me thinking about pessimism. And the thing to me that's so interesting about pessimism, and I'd love to know from your perspective, Hampton, if you, if you would agree with this or if you see this play out as well, is if you want to sound smart in a meeting or around a group of friends, then just be pessimistic. Uh, pessimism, <laughs> it, seriously, I mean, it just, it sounds like you're trying to help somebody if you're skeptical and pessimistic. And optimism can sound a little like, oh, you're trying to sell me. And it can sound a little bit naive. And as leaders, though, that optimism produces so much energy for our team. And I think for leaders, the challenge for us is to be optimistic without faking it and understand uh, how important it is for us to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Or even if we don't know if tomorrow is going to be better, we're going to be okay, regardless of what circumstances come our way. Uh, that can be incredibly powerful right now. And again, just an easy way to stand out is reject the siren call of pessimism that is out there trying to woo you in its direction every single moment of every day. And, uh, and so that, that one I think is, is really, really important and timely right now as we think about energy. So what's your mm. perspective on that? Do you, do you see that, that siren call of pessimism and how you can sound oh, smart if you're pessimistic? Absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely see that. Another thing that it makes me think about though, is if you're a leader and when I say, when I say leader, I'm talking about a manager, someone with a leadership title, and you yeah. are an energy drainer and you're pessimistic. I don't, you, you're probably not going to last very long or you're going to mm -hmm. lose all of your people. But if you're in your 20s, if you're young in your career, if you don't have a manager title and you're pessimistic, you're never getting promoted. Like, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would, my assumption would be, and I've been convicted about this because me and my, my boss have talked about this really easy. Oh, this is in your book. So of course you know about it. It's really easy to walk up to your manager's desk. And what do we do? Dump trash on it and say, yep. this is a problem. 
and have yep. absolutely zero solution. That's just adding to the level of pessimistic pessimistic. Yep. That's definitely not a word. Pessimism. No, but it sounds like, um, let's go with it though. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what it makes me think of. I mean, I think if you're trying to have an edge and you're young in your career, pessimism is just not an option. Yeah. It's yeah. And again, I, and my heart goes out to those that are like, so you tell me to fake it right until I make it. And it's like, no. And that that's where I, it's weird to say this. I feel like I have some moral authority in this area because I am so pessimistic by nature. So this is something I wrestle with. One of the last things I ever want to be described as is being fake, right? I, I want to be genuine and authentic. And so I don't want to just go around and act like I'm optimistic. I want to actually be optimistic, but be authentic because I, I know as a leader how powerful that can be. And so it's just, it, yeah. So that, that is one thing that I think is really worth wrestling with. But if you're, if we're just looking for some quick hits on things that I think we can do to stand out, uh, just, just start to, just start to observe how people show up in, in your next team meeting. Uh, cause optimism can be seen even just physically, right? Are you sitting up straight? Are you taking notes? Uh, are you listening with your eyes, right? Are you nodding along uh, as somebody else is talking? All of those things show energy. So it doesn't just have to be that every idea you're like, amazing idea, right? That's an amazing idea. It doesn't have to be fake like that. It's just, are you showing that I kind of want to be here right now and I'm engaged yeah. with what we're doing. Um, but that that is what that energy section I think is so important. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good. One of our core values at Wildspark, another one is enthusiasm. And that's easy for me because yeah. I have a lot of like visible energy that you'll see. But our CEO is always like, that's great, but you don't have to be the loudest person, the person that's jumping up and down with <laughs> right. false positivity for everything, which is kind of how I am at times. Um, it's really just caring and being intentional and making eye contact and nodding along and yep. really giving it your all. Um, is what we mean by enthusiasm. And I feel like that's similar to energy there. So big. Yep. Diligence. You know, we've talked about that on the competence side. That's a huge piece. It's a way to build trust. I think if we were even going to get a little bit more specific there, uh, this is the time early in your career to develop your productivity system. So it is like as early in your career, if you can be known as a finisher, that is a phenomenal title. Like that is a great reputation mm. to start to develop. And so, uh, do you have a way to just, and again, this is going to sound so basic to track what needs to be done, have a system to know when to get things done. Are you meeting deadlines? Just getting things done. That is an easy way to separate yourself from the crowd is just going, I'm a finisher. So if you give me a task, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to get it done on time. Or if it's not on time, I'm going to be really clear with you that it's going to be late and I'll tell you exactly why. And I'll give you a new deadline. I mean, just little things like that, that, that come second nature to, I know probably to a lot of your listeners, but those are really, really important things is in a, in a way to show that you're diligent is just get like taking care of your side of the street and getting your crap done. That's a, yeah. a, a great way to show you're diligent. Being a finisher. I, I, I want to add that to my job title. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't that a cups book? <laughs> Isn't right. he, I think he wrote a book called finish or finisher or something like that. So uh, I borrow that idea from him, but he's exactly right. I okay. think he says like the future belongs to finishers. And I, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think there is uh, ideas are cheap. They are cheap and they are easy, right? The, the key is execution and can you get stuff done? And so just trying to be somebody who geeks out on some productivity and getting some stuff done, 
again, you're going to just start to separate yourself and really get your career moving in the right direction. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Time to geek out on productivity. All right. Tell me about <laughs> growth. Growth. I, you know, so yes, that, that Carol Dweck resource is phenomenal on all of this. And, uh, and it really is, there's the personal development side. And that's what I love so much about what you're trying to do Hampton, which is this, this idea of self-leadership. It is everybody else's other job title. So, you know, you work for an organization that's doing a great job of trying to develop you, but you know, this, if, if WildSpark quit developing their team, you are not abdicated of your responsibility for development, right? You are your yep. own, as my buddy John McGee says, you're your own chief development officer. And so things like people are doing now, listening to, pod, I, I feel like we live in the golden age of learning right now. It, there's so much content, so much great content, and it's most of it's free, right? So you can go listen to podcasts and audiobooks and video courses and YouTubes and TikTok. I mean, there's so many opportunities uh, so it's just developing that love of learning and taking the initiative to do that. Don't wait for your boss to tell you to read the book. Just read a book, right? Uh, the special little bonus tip that I found in my career, if I am constantly learning, it's amazing how many meetings I've been in where I've shared a little snippet of what I've learned, what I'm learning and how it was relevant to the conversation and how you look like an absolute rock star in those meetings, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I was listening to this podcast the other day and this guy Hampton, he was amazing. And he talked about this thing. And, and I think that's what we've got going on right now. And they're going to be like, well, that's great. And who's this podcast? And let me get that. And you just start to develop that reputation of going, Hey, you're on the cutting edge of, of learning things. So you've got some fresh ideas because you're out there. I mean, really what it boils down to is you're humble enough to go, I'm going to learn from others, right? I don't have, I wasn't just born awesome. And so I'm going to work hard uh, at it and I'm going to go out there and try to learn. So I think, you know, again, if we're looking at very, very simple things to do to try to communicate to others that you want to grow, that self-leadership is, uh, is such an easy thing for us to overlook, but so important for us to do. So good. It reminds me of Josh Idris. He used to work here at WildSpark. He's actually first um, episode of my podcast. And he always talks about being an aggressive learner. Also, that guy, hmm. every conversation you have, you, you get a quote from him that's from a recent book that he's reading. And it's just a fountain of wisdom. And he is really wise and he is really smart, but it, he just reads a lot. And yeah, it, back to your example, if you're sitting in a meeting, it, it's crazy how often something you just heard is relevant to that conversation. And not that it's about seeming like the wise guy, but it really gives you an opportunity to add a lot of value. When you're add value. Stuff. Just help. Yeah. You're just helpful. Yeah. And, and you're bringing in outside perspectives for free, you know, and they don't yeah. have to go hire a consultant to come in and do all that stuff. You get to, you get to share that stuff now. And then I think if we were going to just pick on one thing on the endurance side, uh, and this may be Hampton, something that, that uh, if we just look at what are some of the, what are some of what, what's some of the brand for millennials and Gen Z? that's out there now that I know is unfair. Some of these, um, these stereotypes that are out there, uh, this endurance piece may be one that to help try to change the narrative that a lot of people may preconceive about you as a millennial or a Gen Z. And that is, I'm going to run when things get hard. And if, if you can just develop that grit and just go, Hey, just because it's hard, doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, sometimes hard things, are the way we grow. I know you exercise. I know you work out. You don't, you, you, you bring resistance to your body to make it grow. 
uh, if you just did all your workouts were just easy, you wouldn't grow, right? And you wouldn't develop that endurance. And so I, I think sometimes the best decisions I made in my career were not, and I, I, I changed careers uh, a couple of times, right? But it wasn't always, I didn't always leave when I had my first bad day, uh, sticking out through some bad days or through what my buddy Chris Shelton calls some work valleys, going through some work valleys and some really hard seasons. Uh, I'm really glad I, I stuck through those because it helps you develop that endurance. Because even though I'm out here now on my own, I technically don't have a boss. I own my own little business and all this kind of stuff. The curveballs keep coming every single day. And all of that endurance that I was able to develop and start to, um, you know, uh, yeah, I guess develop when I was in my early in my career, those are paying off and are really helpful now. And so just being resilient right? Just bouncing back from failure, bouncing back from hardship and just sticking around, just not running the first time you have a bad month. Um, that can go a long way in really standing out and developing that characteristic. Mm. I mean, all of these are super important. And I think even if you're excellent in one of these areas, of course you need to, you know, be good in all of them, but endurance is so important. And I, that's what I hear when I'm talking to executives or HR leaders about some of their younger folks, our age of, I just feel like people quit too early. There's a lack of grit. And I, for those of you that have been following along, I did a podcast on grit. I kind of became a student of it for a couple of months. I read this book behind me by yeah. um, Angela Duckworth. And she just says that grit is passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Like it's not so no good. silver button hack, uh, easy button, anything like that. And I think that that's what we're looking for. But if you can persevere when things get hard, um, things are typically going to pay off because most people quit too early. So that's right. I love that. That's the last part of, of the edge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, I think like if we can develop, um, that strength to say not now to fun and easy, um, that may be the, the, the superpower of the future. So if a cuff, you know, years ago was going, the future belongs to finishers. If I was going to stand on his shoulders and add to that, I think the future is going to belong to the patient because mm -hmm. there is amusement around us 24 seven. There is always something to distract us. And if we can just learn how to shut off the distractions and I mean, physically like the, the, the phones and the screens and all that, like if we can learn to, to turn some of that stuff off, not run when things get hard. Um, and start to develop that patience and that endurance that comes and that resilience. Um, I, I think that's where, where there's, we're going to be really grateful that we were able to do that and see our career moving in a direction that we're really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, to your point, this is why I try to always put some sort of action steps at the end of this that I yeah. record later, because I've been in this um, purgatory before where I'm just, ripping podcasts, listening to all of them and doing nothing to make myself feel like I'm learning and growing. Mm. So when you listen to this, maybe you're you're like, oh, this is good. This is good. But I would, you know, much rather you hear some of these things and not listen to this podcast for six months and actually do some of it than just start <laughs> reading all these books and everything. Cause I've fallen into it before yeah. and information without action is just in, in, entertainment. I think that's the that's quote. good. Yeah. So that's good. That's really well said. Yeah. That's great. Well, Hampton, you're doing great work, man. And I, I love that you have a heart for this generation and just trying to put some content out there for it. I'm uh, really excited and honored to come and hang out with you today on the podcast and talk about The Edge. And I guess, you know, if people wanted to 
to keep up with me, you can go to, if you just want to learn more about the book, you can go to myedgebook.com. That's probably the easiest is myedgebook.com. That actually takes you to my website and then you can learn some more about me and we can connect on LinkedIn through that, all that kind of stuff. But uh, Perfect. that would be a good, a good next step for everybody. Perfect. I'll put all of those links below. You guys, please check out Adam. Check out the book. You will hear his voice if you listen to it on audio, just <laughs> talking like this. It's really good, y'all. It's, it's going to be super helpful for you. And this stuff is serious. It, it's it's going to help you a lot. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and we'll have to, we'll have to bring, bring the old guy. Hey, if I'm doing this in 20 years, <laughs> if I'm doing this in 20 years and you're in your sixties, then I'll call you an old guy. Next then, then I, then I earned it. That's good to know. Sixties, <laughs> the new old. I like that. I got a few years then. Uh, Hampton, thank well, you so, so much, much, buddy. It's fun to hang out with you today. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks, time for your action steps. I have three of them. Number one, have character and confidence. I grew up similarly to Adam where I just thought I kind of had to be a good guy and everything would work out. Well, you've got to be skilled. You have to have the competence to do the job. But some of you may have focused too much on learning the skills and you haven't thought much about your character. So make sure that you have both. Two, learn the edge framework, energy, diligence, growth, endurance. They are all crucial. So make sure you learn that. I'll put resources to that below. And then three, read the book, buy the book, buy the edge. I'll put that below. You're going to love it. There's lots of good stories in there. So much to learn from Adam. I will see you next week. It's time for you and me to wake up and leave.